0: C D three. Excerpt from the Notebooks of Leonard Aquirm. Consideration of the Great Bird. That a man may fly to the edges of the world and beyond. I find that if this instrument be well made and hurled with sufficient force over the endless rim, It will put a ring around the world, and the first flight of the great bird to the summit of Monte Celeste will fill the universe with wonder. The cabin for the crew is sealed against egress of air. The cabin may detach and float should the great bird land in the sea. Mm, Should I add extra dragons to allow it to fly home alone? Should this arise? Memor yourself, no.' Um, The fixed wings of wood and canvas are contrived to change their shape in accordance with the wishes of the steersman. When the bird finds itself within the wind, it can sustain itself above it without beating its wings. By means of capstans and strings under tension, my wings will take any shape desired, both for gliding and stooping de plano.' when the wings will be in folded position, the better to countenance the resistive forces of the air. There are to be cradles for dragons, for the propulsion caused by the flames thereof, these pods allow steering through the thin air during our passage around the world. I recall my pleasure upon seeing a fish-eagle stoop upon a salmon in a lake, and then— Upon rising again, turn the salmon in its talons, so that the head of the salmon was facing forwards, for it demonstrates that the air and water are, in their currents and pressures, both fluids of a kind, which cause the denizens to develop certain similarities of form, the better to navigate these fluids. The great bird is this eagle.' Between its talons it grips the Salmon of Thunder. The tail section powers the assemblage beyond the fractious air currents of the rim for the first part of the voyage, and then detaches. The body of the Salmon of Thunder is segmented to allow array after array of male dragons to be induced to flame by the mirror mechanism by which each beast is shown its image in a looking-glass whereupon its natural protective instinct impels it to flame defensively. Each segment is then discarded in turn. If crew and cargo were adduced, the bird could carry barrels of explosive powders, ephebian fire, and other instruments of war to rain terror upon enemy cities without fear of retaliation. And happily no government would ever allow such madness and a flight of many birds could only bring international peace and brotherhood. The lights of the anchored ships disappeared into the murk as the barge drifted on, faster now as the current began to pull. "'No turning back now,' said Leonard. There was a roll of thunder, and fingers of lightning walked along the edge of the world. "'Just a squall, I expect,' he added, as fat drops of rain thudded on the tarpaulins. "'Shall we get aboard? "'The drag-lines will keep us pointed directly at the rim, "'and we might as well make ourselves comfortable while we wait.' "'We ought to release the fireboats first, sir,' said Carrot. Oh, "'Silly me, yes,' said Leonard. "'I'd forget my own head if it wasn't held on with bones and skin and things.' "'A couple of ship's boats had been sacrificed for the attempt on the circumference.' "'They wallowed slightly, laden as they were with spare tins of varnish, "'paints, and the remains of the dragon's supper. "'Carrot picked up a couple of lanterns and, after a couple of tries in the gusting wind, "'managed to light them and place them carefully according to Leonard's instructions. "'Then the boats were cast adrift. "'Freed of the drag of the barge, they pulled away in the quickening current. "'The rain was hammering down now.' "'And now let us get aboard,' said Leonard, ducking back out of the rain. "'A cup of tea will do us good.' "'I thought we decided we couldn't have any naked flames on board, sir,' said Carrot. "'I have brought along a special jug of my own devising which keeps things warm,' said Leonard. "'Or cold, if you prefer. I call it the hot or cold flask. I am at a loss as to how it knows which it is that you prefer, but nevertheless it seems to work.' He led the way up the ladder. Only one small lamp lit the little cabin. It illuminated three seats, embedded among a network of levers, armatures and springs. The crew had been up here before. They knew the layout. There was one little bed further aft, on the basis that there would only be time for any one person to be asleep. String bags had been stapled to every bit of unused wall to hold water bottles and food. Unfortunately, some of Lord Vetinara's committees, devised in order to prevent their members from interfering with anything important, had turned their attention to provisioning the craft. It appeared packed for every eventuality, including alligator wrestling on a glacier. Leonard sighed. "'I really didn't like to say no to anyone,' he said. "'I did suggest that um, nourishing but concentrated and uh, low-residue food would be preferred.' As one man, they turned in their seats to look at the experimental privy Mark II. Mark I had worked, Leonard's devices tended to, but since a key to its operation was that it tumbled very fast on a central axis while in use, it had been abandoned after a report by its test pilot, Rincewind, that whatever you had in mind when you went in, the only thing you wanted to do once inside was get out.' Mark, too, was as yet untried. It creaked ominously under their gaze, an open invitation to constipation and kidney stones. It will undoubtedly function, said Leonard, and just this once Rincewind noted the harmonic of uncertainty. It is all just a matter of opening the correct valves in sequence. What happens if we don't open the right valves in sequence, sir? said Carrot, buckling himself in. "'You must appreciate that I have had to design so many things for this craft,' Leonard began. "'We'd still like to know,' said Rincewind. Um, "'In truth, what happens if you don't open the right valves in sequence "'is that you will wish that you had opened the right valves in sequence,' said Leonard. "'He fumbled below his seat and produced a large metal flask of curious design. "'Tea, anyone?' he said. "'Just a small cup.' "'said Carrot, firmly. "'Make mine a spoonful,' said Rincewind. "'And what's this thing hanging in the ceiling in front of me?' "'It's my new device for looking behind you,' said Leonard. "'It's very simple to use. "'I call it the device for looking behind you.' "'Looking behind you is a bad move,' said Rincewind, firmly. "'I've always said so. "'It slows you down.' "'Ah, but this way we won't slow down at all.' "'Really?' said Rincewind, brightening up. A squall of rain banged on the tarpaulins. Carrot tried to see ahead. A gap had been cut in the covers, so that the... By the way, what are we? he said. I mean, what do we call ourselves? "Uh, Possibly foolish, said Rincewind. I meant officially. Carrot looked around the crammed cabin. And what do we call this craft? The wizards call it the big kite, said Rincewind. But it's nothing like a kite. A kite is something on a string which... ''It has to have a name,'' said Carrot. ''It's very bad luck to attempt a voyage in a vessel with no name.'' Rincewind looked at the levers in front of his seat. ''They had to do mainly with dragons. We're in a big wooden box, and behind us are about a hundred dragons who are getting ready to burp,'' he said. ''I think we need a name.'' "Er, ''Do you actually know how to fly this thing, Leonard?'' ''Not as such, but I intend to learn very soon.'' ''A really good name,'' said Rincewind fervently. Ahead of them, the stormy horizon was lit by an explosion. The boats had hit the circumference and burst into fierce, corrosive flame. ''Right now,'' he added. ''The, the, the kite, the, the real kite, is a very beautiful bird,'' said Leonard. ''It's what I had in mind when I...'' ''The kite it is, then,'' said Carrot firmly. He glanced at a list pinned in front of him and ticked off one item. "'Shall I drop the tarpaulin anchor, sir?' Uh, yes, yes, er, yes, do that,' said Leonard. Carrots pulled a lever. Below and behind them there was the sound of a splash, and then of cable running out very fast. "'There's a reef! There's rocks!' Rincewind stood up, pointing. The firelight ahead glowed on something squat and immovable, surrounded by surf. "'No turning back,' said Leonard, as the sinking anchor dragged the kite's coverings off like an enormous canvas egg.' He reached out and pulled handles and knobs like an organist in full fugue. "'Number one, blinkers down, uh, tethers off. Gentlemen, each pull those big handles beside you when I say.' The rocks loomed. The white water at the lip of the endless fall was red with fire and glowing with lightning. Jagged rocks were a few yards away, hungry as a crocodile's teeth. "'Now, now, now!' "'Middle's down. Good. Uh, We have flame. "'Now, what was it? Oh, yes. Everyone hold on to something!' Wings unfolding, dragons flaring, the kite rose from the splintering barge and into the storm and over the rim of the world. The only sound was a faint whisper of air as Rincewind and Carrot clambered off the shivering floor. Their pilot was staring out of the window. "'Look at the birds! Oh, do look at the birds!' In the calm, sunlit air beyond the storm, they swooped and turned in their thousands around the gliding ship as small birds will mob an eagle. And it did look like an eagle, one that had just snatched a giant salmon from the fall. Leonard stood entranced, tears running down his cheeks. Carrot tapped him very gently on the shoulder. "'Sir, it's so beautiful, so beautiful.' "'Sir,' We need you to fly this thing, sir. Remember, stage two. Hmm? Then the artist shuddered, and part of him returned to his body. Oh, yes, very well, very well, very well. He sat down heavily in his seat. Yes, to be sure. Yes. Um, we shall. Um, we shall test the controls. Um, yes. He laid a trembling hand on the levers in front of him and placed his feet on the pedals. "'The kite lurched sideways on the air. "'Whoops! <laughs> "'Ah, now I think I have it. Uh, "'Oh, sorry, yes. "'Oh, oh, sorry, dear me. "'Ah, ah, now I think, um... "'Rincewind, flung against the window by another judder, "'looked down the face of the rimfall. "'Here and there, all the way down, "'mountain-sized islands projected from the wall of white water, "'glowing in the evening light. "'Little white clouds scudded in between them, "'and everywhere there were birds wheeling, nesting, gliding.' "'There's forests on those rocks. "'They're like little countries. "'There's people. "'I can see houses.' "'He was thrown back again "'as the kite banked into some cloud. "'There's people living over the edge,' he said. "'Old shipwrecks, I suppose,' said Carrot. "'I, um, I think I've got the hang of it now,' said Leonard, "'staring fixedly ahead. "'Rincewind, please be so good "'as to pull that lever there, will you?' "'Rincewind did so.' There was a clunk behind them, and the ship shook slightly as the first stage cage was dropped. As it tumbled slowly apart in the air, small dragons spread their wings and flapped hopefully back toward the disk. "'I thought it would be more than that,' said Rincewind. "'Oh, those are just the ones we use to help us get clear of the rim,' said Leonard, as the kite turned lazily in the air. "'Most of the others we'll use to go down.' "'Down?' said Rincewind. No, oh, yes.' "'We need to go down as quickly as we can. "'No time to waste. "'Down?' "'This is not the time to talk about down. "'You kept on talking about around. "'Around is fine, not down.' "'Ah, but you see, in order to go around, "'we need to go down, fast.' "'Leonard looked reproachful. "'I did put it in my notes. "'Down is not a direction with which I am happy.' "'Ah, uh, hello, hello!' came a voice out of the air. Captain Carrot, said Leonard, as Rincewind sulked in his seat. Oblige me by opening the cabinet there, will you? This revealed a fragment of smashed omniscope and the face of Ponder Stibbons. It works! His shout sounded muffled and somehow small, like the squeaking of an ant. You're alive? We have separated the first dragons and everything is going well, sir, said Carrot. No, it's not, Rincewind shouted. They want to go down... Without turning his head, Carrot reached around behind Leonard and pulled Rinswin's hat down over his face. "'The second stage dragons will be about ready to burn now,' said Leonard. "'We had better get on, Mr. Stibbons.' "'Please make careful observations of all,' Ponder began, but Leonard had politely closed the case. "'Now then,' he said, "'if you gentlemen will undo the clips beside you and turn the large red handles, you should be able to start the process of folding the wings back in.' I believe that as we increase speed, the impellers will make the process easier. He looked at Rincewind's blank face as the angry wizard freed himself from his hat. We will use the rushing air as we fall to help us reduce the size of the wings, which we will not require for a while. I understand that, said Rincewind distantly. I just hate it. The only way home is down, Rinswind said Carrot, adjusting his seat belt. And put your helmet on. "'So, if everyone would once again hold tight,' said Leonard, "'and pushed gently on a lever. "'Don't look so worried, Rincewind. "'Think of it as a sort of, well, a magic carpet ride.' "'The kite shuddered and dived. "'And suddenly the rimfall was under them, "'stretching to an infinite misty horizon, "'its rocky outcrops now islands in a white wall.' The ship shook again, and the handle Rincewind had been leaning on started to move under its own power. There was no solid surface any more. Every piece of the ship was vibrating. He stared out of the porthole next to him. The wings, the precious wings, the things that kept you up, were folding gracefully in on themselves. Rincewind, said Leonard, a blur in his seat. Please, the lever. The wizard did so on the basis that it couldn't make things worse. But it did. He heard a series of thumps behind him. Five score of dragons, having recently digested a hydrocarbon-rich meal, saw their own reflections in front of them as a rack of mirrors was, for a moment, lowered in front of their cages. They flared. Something crashed and smashed back in the fuselage. A giant foot pressed the crew back into their seats. The rimfall blurred. Through red-rimmed eyes, they stared at the speeding white sea and the distant stars, and even Carrot joined in the hymn of terror, which goes... Leonard was trying to shout something. With terrible effort, Rincewind turned his huge and heavy head and just made out the groan... It took him years to reach it. For some reason his arms had been made out of lead. Bloodless fingers with muscles weak as string managed to get a grip and tow the lever back. Another foreboding thump rattled the ship. The pressure ceased. Three heads thumped forwards. And then there was silence and lightness and peace. Dreamily, Rincewind pulled down the periscope and saw the huge fish section curving gently away from them. It came apart as it flew, and more dragons spread their wings and whirled away behind the kite. "'Magnificent! A device for seeing behind you without slowing down. Just the thing no coward should be without.' "'I've got to get one of these,' he murmured. "'That seemed to go quite well, I thought,' said Leonard.' I'm sure the little creatures will get back, too, flitting from rock to rock. Yes, I'm sure they will. "Uh, There's a strong draught by my seat, Carrot began. Ah, yes, it would be a good idea to keep the helmets handy, Leonard said. I've done my best, varnishing and laminating and so forth, but the kite is not, alas, completely airtight. Well, here we are well on our way, he added brightly. Breakfast, anyone? My stomach feels very, Ridswin began, but stopped. "'A spoon drifted past, tumbling gently. "Uh, "'What has switched off the downness?' he demanded. "'Leonard opened his mouth to say, "Uh, "'No, this was expected, "'because everything is falling at the same speed. "'But he didn't, because he could see "'this was not a happy thing to say. "'It's the sort of thing that happens,' he said. "'It's, um, magic.' "'Oh, really, oh.' "'A cup bumped gently off Carrot's ear.' He battered it away, and it disappeared somewhere aft. "'What kind of magic?' he said. The wizards were clustered around the piece of omniscope, while Ponder struggled to adjust it. A picture exploded into view. It was horrible. "'Hello, hello, this is Ankh Borpork calling.' The gibbering face was pushed aside, and Leonard's dome rose slowly into view. "'Ah, yes, good morning,' he said. "'We are having a few uh, teething troubles.' From somewhere off-screen came the sound of someone being sick. What is going on? bellowed Ridcully. Well, you see, it's rather amusing. I had this idea of putting food in tubes, you see, so that it could be squeezed out and eaten neatly in weightless conditions. And uh, because we didn't tie everything down, uh, I'm afraid my box of "'Paints came open, and the tubes got um, confused. "'So what Mr. Rincewind thought was broccoli and ham uh, "'turned out to be forest green. Um, "'Let me speak to Captain Carrot, will you?' "'I'm afraid that is not entirely convenient at the moment,' said Leonard, "'his face clouded with concern. "'Why, did he have the broccoli and ham too?' "'No, uh, he had the cadmium yellow. "'There was a yelp and a series of clangs somewhere behind Leonard.' On the brighter side, however, I can report that the Mark II Privy appears to function perfectly. Excerpt from the Notebooks of Leonard of Querm on Creatures Real and Imaginary inhabiting the Void. On Draco Stellaris Nauticae, the Star Voyaging Dragon. This vast dragon trawls debris from the void with its gaping maw. Using normal dragon digestion, it compresses this debris and turns into gases. These flame through the ventral orifice, propelling the dragon with considerable force. The wings are tiny and vestigial. So vast is the beast that smaller dragons voyage by attaching themselves to its hide— Oh, what a cosmos that has such creatures within it! On, uh, Aphodius Maximus, the giant dung-beetle, a uh, during the flight of the great bird. Very similar to the solar dung-beetle of Jellybabian mythology, it forms its dung into small planets. It appears to have various igniferous orifices for propulsion in the void, in a manner similar to the Hershebian bombardier beetle as below so above Mirabile dictu on borer imaginaris horridis or imaginary hull borer this as yet undiscovered but greatly feared creature may have evolved from squid washed over the rim of the disk It employs a spike with rotating teeth for first piercing and then enlarging a hole in the spaceship's hull into which fluids may be injected to dissolve the contents. It is possible that a gas bag at its tail end is used for propulsion and that it possesses tentacles for gripping. It is also possible that the creature is imaginary. Note, if such a creature invades the ship, it is vital that the crew split up in order to search for it. Nucleus, situm ex orbita, unus, cetis, maximus. The kite, in its headlong plunge, curved back towards the rimfall. Now the water was a great tumbling cloud of mist. Captain Carrot hovered in front of a window, taking pictures with the iconograph. "'This is amazing,' he said. "'I'm sure we'll find the answers to some questions that have puzzled mankind for millennia.' "'Good. Can you get this frying-pan off my back?' said Rincewind. "'Um,' said Leonard. "'It was a sufficiently troubling syllable for the others to look at him. "'We seem to be um, losing air rather faster than I thought,' said the genius. "'But I'm sure the hull isn't any leakier than I allowed for. "'And we seem to be falling faster, according to Mr. Stibbons. Uh, "'It's a little difficult to piece it all together, of course, "'because of the uncertain effects of the disc's magical field.' "'Um, we should be all right if we wear our helmets all the time. "'There's plenty of air nearer to the world, isn't there?' said Rincewind. "'Can't we just fly into it and open a window?' "'Leonard stared mournfully into the mists that filled half of their view. "'We are um, moving very fast,' he said slowly. "'And air at this speed... air is... the thing about air... "'Tell me, what do you understand by the words "'Shooting Star?' ''What's that supposed to mean?'' Rincewind demanded. ''Um, that we die an immensely horrible death.'' ''Oh, that,'' said Rincewind. Leonard tapped a dial on one of the tanks of air. ''I really don't think my calculations were that rot Light exploded into the cabin. The kite rose through tendrils of mist. The crew stared. ''No one will ever believe us,'' said Carrot eventually. He raised his iconograph towards the view, and even the imp inside, which belongs to a species that was seldom impressed with anything, said, "'Gosh!' in a tiny voice as it painted furiously. "'I don't believe this,' said Rincewind, "'and I'm seeing it. A tower, an immensity of rock, rose from the mist, and looming over the mist, huge as worlds, the backs of four elephants.' It was like flying through a cathedral thousands of miles high. It sounds like a joke, Rincewind babbled. Elephants holding up the world, (laughs) and then you see it. My paints, where are my paints, mumbled Leonard. Well, some of them are in the privy, said Rincewind. Carrot turned and looked puzzled. The iconograph floated away, trailing small curses. And where's my apple, he said. What, said Rincewind perplexed at the sudden subject of fruit. "'I'd just started eating an apple, and i just rested it in the air, and it's gone!' The ship creaked in the glaring sunlight, and an apple-core came tumbling gently through the air. "'I suppose there are just the three of us aboard,' said Rincewind, innocently. "'Don't be silly,' said Carrot. "'We're sealed in. So your apple ate itself?' "'They looked at the jumble of bundles held in the webbing behind them. "'I mean, call me Mr. Suspicious,' said Rincewind. "'But if the ship is heavier than Leonard thought, "'and we're using up more air, and food is vanishing, "'you're not suggesting that there's some kind of monster "'floating around below the rim that can bore into wooden hulls, are you?' "'said Carrot, drawing his sword. "'Ah, I hadn't thought of that one,' said Rincewind. "'Well done.' Interesting, said Leonard. It would be, perhaps, a cross between a bird and a bivalve, somewhat squid like, possibly, using jets of thank you, thank you, thank you, yes. Carrot pulled out a roll of blankets and tried to look back along the cabin. I think I saw something move, he said, just behind the air reservoirs. He ducked under a bundle of skis and disappeared into the shadows. They heard him groan. Oh, no. What, what? said Rincewind. Carrot's voice was muffled. "'I found a—it looks like a—skin.' "'Ah, fascinating,' said Leonard, sketching on his notepad. "'Possibly, once aboard a hospitable vessel, "'such a creature could metamorphose into—' "'Carrot emerged, a banana skin kebabbed on the end of his sword.' "'Rincewind rolled his eyes. "'I have a very definite feeling about this,' he said. "'So have I,' said Carrot. "'It took them some time, but finally they pushed away a box of dishcloths, "'and there were no more hiding-places. "'A worried face looked out of the nest it had made. "'Whook!' it said. "'Leonard sighed. laid aside his pad and opened up the Omniscope's box. "'He banged on it once or twice, and it flickered and showed the outline of a head. "'Leonard took a deep breath.' Hank more pork. We have an orangutan.' "'Cohen sheathed his sword. "'Wouldn't have expected much to be living up here,' he said, surveying the carnage. "'There's even less now,' said Caleb. "'The latest fight had been over in the twinkling of an eye, "'and the cleaving of a backbone. "'Any creatures that ambushed the horde did so at the end of their lives.' "'The raw magic here must be huge,' said Boy Willie. "'I suppose creatures like this get used to living off it. "'Sooner or later something will learn to live anywhere.' "'It's certainly doing mad Hamish good,' said Cohen. "'I'll swear he's not as deaf as he was.' "'What?' "'I said you're not as deaf as you were, Hamish. "'There's no need to shout, one. "'Can we cook them, do you think?' said Boy Willie. "'They'll probably taste a bit like chicken,' said Caleb. "'Everything does if you're hungry enough.' "'Leave it to me?' said Mrs McGarry. You get a fire going and I'll make this taste more like chicken than chicken. Cohen wandered off to where the minstrel was sitting by himself, working on the remains of his lute. The lad had brightened up considerably as the climb progressed, Cohen thought. He had completely stopped whimpering. Cohen sat down next to him. What are you doing, lad? he said. I see you found a skull. "Uh, It's going to be the sound box, said the minstrel. He looked worried for a moment. That is... "'He's all right, isn't it?' "'Sure. Good fate for an hero, having his bones made into an harp or something. "'It should sing out wonderful.' Uh, "'This will be a kind of liar,' said the minstrel. "'It's going to be a bit primitive, I'm afraid.' "'Even better. Good for the old songs,' said Cohen. "'I have been thinking about the saga,' the minstrel admitted. "'Good lad, good lad. Plenty of spikes?' "'Um, yes.' But I, 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 thought I'd start off with the legend of how Mazda stole fire for mankind in the first place. Nice," said Cohen, "and then a few verses about what the gods did to him." The minstrel went on tightening a string. "Did to him, did to him," said Cohen. "They made him immortal." "Eh, uh, y- yes, in a way, I, s- I suppose." "What do you mean, in a way?" "'It's classical mythology, Cohen,' said the minstrel. "'I thought everyone knew. "'He was chained to a rock for eternity, "'and every day an eagle comes and pecks out his liver.' "'Is that true?' "'It's mentioned in many of the classic texts.' "'I'm not much of a reader,' said Cohen. "'Chained to a rock? "'For a first offence? "'He's still there?' "'Eternity isn't finished yet, Cohen. "'He must have had a big liver.' It grows again every night, according to the legend, said the minstrel. I wish my kidneys did, said Cohen. He stared at the distant clouds that hid the snowy top of the mountain. He brought fire to everyone, and the gods did that to him, eh? Well, we'll have to see about that. The omniscope showed a snowstorm. Bad weather down there, then, said Ridcully. Uh, No, it's thormic interference, said Ponder. "'They're passing under the elephants. Uh, "'We'll get a lot more of it, I'm afraid.' "'Did they really say, "'Ank, more pork, we have an orangutan?' said the dean. Uh, "'The librarian must have got on board somehow,' said Ponder. "'You know what he's like for finding odd corners to sleep in. Uh, 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 "'And that, I'm afraid, explains about the weight and the air. Uh, "'I have to tell you that I'm not sure "'that they have enough time or power "'to get back onto the disc now.' What do you mean, you're not sure? said Lord Vetinari. Um, I mean, I I am sure, but uh, no one likes bad news all at once, sir. Lord Vetinari looked at the big spell that dominated the cabin. It floated in the air. The whole world sketched in glowing lines and, dropping from one glittering edge, a small curving line. As he watched, it lengthened slightly. They... "'Can't just turn around and come back?' he said. "'No, sir, it doesn't work like that.' "'Can they throw the librarian out?' "'The wizards looked shocked. "'No, sir,' said Ponder. "'That would be murder, sir.' "'Yes, but they may save the world. "'One ape dies, one world lives. "'You do not need to be a rocket wizard to work that out, surely.' "'You can't ask them to make a decision like that, sir.' "'Really?' "'I make decisions like that every day,' said Lord Vetinari. "'Oh, very well. What are they short of?' "'Air and dragon power, sir. "'If they chop up the orangutan and feed him to the dragons, "'won't that kill two birds with one stone?' "'The sudden iciness told Lord Vetinari that once again "'he hadn't taken his audience with him. He sighed. "'They need dragon flame to—' he said— to bring their ring-path over the disc, sir, they have to fire the dragons at the right time. Vetinari looked at the magical orrery again. And now? I'm not quite sure, sir. They may crash into the disc, or they may shoot straight out into endless space. And they need air. Guess, sir. Vetinari's arm moved through the outline of the world, and a long forefinger pointed. ''Is there any air here?'' he said. ''That meal,'' said Cohen, ''was heroic. Now have a word for it.'' ''That's right, Mrs McGarry,'' said Evil Harry. ''Even Rat doesn't taste this much like chicken.'' ''Yes, the tentacles hardly spoiled it at all,'' said Caleb enthusiastically. They sat and watched the view. What had once been the world below was now a world in front, rising like an endless wall.'' "'What are they, right up there?' said Cohen, pointing. "'Thanks, friend,' said Evil Harry, looking away. "'I'd like the uh, chicken to stay down if it's all the same to you.' "'They're the Virgin Islands,' said the minstrel. "'So called, because there's so many of them.' "'Or maybe because they're hard to find,' said Truckle, the uncivil, burping. <laughs> "'You can see the starsome up here,' said Mad Hamish. "'In though 'tis day!' Cohen grinned at him. It wasn't often Mad Hamish volunteered anything. They say every one of 'em's a world," said Evil Harry. "Yeah," said Cohen. "How many, Bard? I don't know. Thousands, millions," said the minstrel. Millions of worlds, and we get what? How old are you, Hamish? What? How abod the day the old Thane died?" said Hamish. "When was that? Which old Thane?" said Cohen patiently. What? I ain't a scholar. I cannot remember that kind of stuff. Hundred years, maybe, said Cohen. One hundred years. And there's millions of worlds. He took a pull of his cigarette and rubbed his forehead with the back of his thumb. It's a bugger. He nodded at the minstrel. What do your mate Carolinas do after he'd blown his nose? Look, um, you really shouldn't think of him like that, said the minstrel, hotly. He built a huge empire, too big, really, and in many ways he was a lot like you. Haven't you heard of the Sortian knot? Sounds dirty, said Truckle. <laughs> oh, sorry. The minstrel sighed. It was a huge, complicated knot that tied two beams together in the temple of Offler in Sort, and it was said that whoever untied it would reign over the whole of the continent, he said. They can be very tricky, knots, said Mrs. McGarry. Carolinus sliced right through it with his sword, said the minstrel. The revelation of this dramatic gesture did not get the applause he expected. "'So he was a cheat as well as a crybaby,' said Boy Willie. "'No, it was a dramatic, nay, portentous gesture,' snapped the minstrel. "'Yeah, OK, but it's not exactly untying, is it? "'I mean, if the rules said untying, I don't see why he should—' "'No, no, 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 the lad's got a point,' said Cohen, who seemed to have been turning this one over in his mind. "'It wasn't cheating.' Because it was a good story. Yeah, I can understand that, he chuckled. I can just imagine it, too. A load of way-faced priests and such like, standing around and thinking, that's cheating. But he's got a really big sword, so I won't be the first to point this out. Plus, this damn great army is just outside. (laughs) Ha! Yeah. Hmm. What do you do next? Conquered most of the known world. Good lad. And after that, he, uh... "'went home, reigned for a few years, "'then he died and his sons squabbled "'and there were a few wars, "'and that was the end of the empire.' "'Children can be a problem,' said Veena, "'without looking up from carefully embroidering forget-me-nots "'around burn this house.' "'Some people say you achieve immortality "'through your children,' said the minstrel. "'Yeah,' said Cohen. "'Name one of your great-grandads, then.' "'Well, eh? Uh, "'See? "'Now, I got lots of kids.' said Cohen, Haven't seen most of them. You know how it is. But they had fine strong mothers, and I hope like hell they're all living for themselves, not for me. Fat lot of good they did your Carolinus, losing his empire for him. But there's a lot more a proper historian could tell you, said the minstrel. Ta, said Cohen. It's what ordinary people remember that matters. It's songs and sayings. Doesn't matter how you live and die, it's how the bards wrote it down. The minstrel felt their joint gaze fix on him. "'Um, I'm making lots of notes,' he said. "'Wook!' said the librarian, by way of explanation. "'And then, he says, something fell on his head,' Rincewind translated. "'It must have been when we dived.' "'Can we throw some of this stuff out of the ship to lighten it?' said Carrot. "'We don't need most of it.' "'Alas, no,' said Leonard. "'We will lose all our air if we open the door. "'But we've got these breathing helmets.' Rincewind pointed out. Three helmets,' said Leonard. The omniscope crackled. They ignored it. The kite was still passing under the elephants, and the thing showed mostly a kind of magical snow. But Rincewind did glance up, and saw that someone in the storm was holding a card on which had been scrawled in large letters, STAND BY. Ponder shook his head. "'Thank you, Arch-Chancellor, but I'm far too busy for you to help me,' he said. But will it work? It has to, sir. It's a million to one chance. Oh, then we don't have to worry. Everyone knows million to one chances always work. Yes, sir. So all I have to do is work out if there's still enough air outside the ship for Leonard to steer it, or how many dragons he will need to fire for how long, and if there will be enough power left to get them off again. "'I think he's travelling at nearly the right speed, "'but I'm, I'm not sure how much flame the dragons will have left, "'and I don't know what kind of surface he'll land on "'or anything that they'll find there. "'I can adapt a few spells, "'but they were never devised for this sort of thing.' "'Good man,' said Ridcully. "'Is there anything we can do to help?' said the Dean. "'Ponder gave the other wizards a desperate look. "'How would Lord Vetinari have handled this?' "'Why, yes,' he said brightly. "'Perhaps you would be kind enough to find a cabin somewhere "'and come up with a list of all the various ways I could solve this, "'and I will just sit here and toy with a few ideas.' "'That's what I like to see,' said the dean. "'A lad with enough sense to make use of the wisdom of his elders.' "'Lord Vetinari gave Ponder a faint smile as they left the cabin. "'In a sudden silence, Ponder pondered. "'He stared at the orrery.' walked around it, enlarged sections of it, peered at them, pored over the notes he had made about the power of dragon flight, stared at a model of the kite, and spent a lot of time looking at the ceiling. This wasn't the normal way of working for a wizard. A wizard evolved the wish, and then devised the command. He didn't bother much with observing the universe. Rocks and trees and clouds could not have anything very intelligent to impart. They didn't even have writing on them, after all. Ponder looked at the numbers he'd scribbled. As a calculation, it was like balancing a feather on a soap bubble which wasn't there. So he guessed. Extract from the Notebooks of Leonard of Quirm on Clothing for Travelling the Empty Void. Costume Mark I is for the Wizard Rincewind. Comprises a converted pearl-diving helmet fitted with a simple pressure gauge. At uh, Note... If eye holes turn red, head has exploded. Light boots for moving fast in the event of unexpectedness, and an oiled leather suit over canvas undersuit over three layers of wool for warmth in the endless gulfs. Capacious thigh pouches will aid in collecting specimens of rock, which could also be used to combat excessive levity. One crew member has made a special request for a pocket containing cards with messages such as Run, I Surrender, Sturkus, Help, and so on, for use in the soundless spaces. There can be no voice where there is no motion or percussion of the air. Adorno Maximus Magister. Costume Mark two for Captain Carrot, Warrior will comprise a lightweight suit of stretched leather and canvas, light leather gloves with an outer covering of mail, with heavy leather bands to prevent chest exploding, and an adapted helmet in the traditional style of the Ankh-Morpork watch. "'Costume Mark Three for Leonard of Quam will include a blown glass helmet for all-round observation, fitted with improved air renewer, pockets to hold pencils, crayons, notebooks, etc., and an emergency air supply contained in puffed sleeves. A holster will be used to hold brushes and weighted boots to hold the wearer down, in conditions of levity, for instance.' "'Experimental recycling pants will complete the costume. Remember memo to self, these, alas, are not quite perfect yet.' "'On the kite, the situation was being workshopped. "'This is the means by which people who don't know anything "'get together to pool their ignorance. "'Could we all hold our breath for a quarter of the time?' said Carrot. Uh, "'No, uh, breath doesn't work like that, alas,' said Leonard. "'Perhaps we should all stop talking.' said Rincewind. "'Ook!' said the librarian, pointing to the fuzzy screen of the omniscope. Someone was holding up another placard. The huge words could just be made out. "'This is what you do.' Leonard snatched a pencil and began to scribble in the corner of a drawing of a machine for undermining city walls. Five minutes later he put it down again. "Remarkable," he said. "'He wants us to point the kite in a different direction and go faster.' "'Where to?' He doesn't say, but— Ah, yes, he wants us to fly directly towards the sun. Leonard gave them one of his bright smiles. It faced three blank stares. It will mean allowing one or two individual dragons to flare for a few seconds to bring us around, and then— The sun, said Rincewind. It's hot, said Carrot. Yes, and I am sure we're all very glad of that, said Leonard, unrolling a plan of the kite. Ook. "'I'm sorry?' "'He said, "'And this boat is made of wood,' said Rincewind. "'All that in one syllable? "'He's a very concise thinker. "'Look, Stibbons must have made a mistake. "'I wouldn't trust a wizard to give me directions "'to the other side of a very small room.' "'He does seem to be a bright young man, though,' said Carrot. "'You'll be bright, too, if you're in this thing "'when it hits the sun,' said Rincewind. "'Incandescent, I expect.' "'We can?' "'Point the kite if we're very careful how we operate the port and starboard mirrors,' said Leonard thoughtfully. "'There may be a little trial and error.' "'Ah, we seem to have the hang of it,' said Leonard. He turned over a small egg-timer. "'And now all dragons for two minutes.' "'I suppose he'll tell us what happens next.' shouted carrots. while behind them things tinkled and creaked. Mr. Simmons has two thousand years of university expertise behind him, yelled Leonard above the din. How much of that has involved steering flying ships with dragons, screamed Rincewind. Leonard leaned against the tug of homemade gravity and looked at the egg-timer. About one hundred s- 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 seconds. Ah, it's practically t- t- <coughs> 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 tradition the dragons stopped flaming. Once again, things filled the air, and there was the sun, but no longer circular. Something had clipped its edge. Ah, said Leonard. How clever, gentlemen! Behold the moon. We're going to hit the moon instead, said Carrot. Is that better? "'My feelings, exactly,' said Rincewind. Oog. "'I don't think we're going so very fast,' said Leonard. "'We're only just catching it up. "'I think Mr. Stibbons intends that we land on it.' "'He flexed his fingers. "'There's some air there, I'm sure of it,' he went on. "'Which means there is probably something we can feed to the dragons. "'And then—and this is very clever thinking—we ride on the moon until it rises over the disk.' "'and all we need to do is drop down lightly.' "'He kicked the release on the wing levers. "'The cabin rattled to the spinning of the flywheels. "'On either side the kite spread its wings. "'Any questions?' he said. "'I am trying to think of all the things that could go wrong,' said Carrot. "'I've got nine so far,' said Rinchwind, "'And I haven't even started on the fine detail.' "'The moon was getting bigger, "'a dark sphere eclipsing the light of the distant sun.' "'As I understand it,' said Leonard, as it began to loom in the windows, "'the moon, being much smaller and lighter than the disk, "'can only hold on to light things like air. "'Heavier things, like the kite, should hardly be able to stay on the ground.' "'And that means,' said Carrot, um, "'we should just float down,' said Leonard. "'But holding on to something might be a good idea.' "'They landed. "'It's a short sentence.' but contains a lot of incident. There was silence on the boat, apart from the sound of the sea and Ponder Stibbons's urgent muttering as he tried to adjust the omniscope. "'The screams!' murmured Mustram Ridcully after a while. "'But then they screamed a second time, a few seconds later,' said Lord Vetinari. "'And a few seconds after that,' said the Dean. "'I thought the omniscope could see anywhere,' said the patrician, "'watching the sweat pour off Ponder. "'At the shards, um, don't don't seem stable "'when they're too far apart, sir,' said Ponder. "'Ah, and there's still a couple of thousand miles of world "'and elephant between them, um...' "'The omniscope flickered and then went blank again. "'A good wizard, Rincewind,' said the chair of indefinite studies. "'Not particularly bright, but, frankly, "'I have never been quite happy with intelligence. "'An overrated talent, in my humble opinion.' "'Ponder's ears went red.' ''Perhaps we should put a small plaque up somewhere in the university,'' said Ridcully. ''Nothing garish, of course.'' ''Gentlemen, are you forgetting?'' said Lord Veterinary. ''Soon there will be no university.'' ''Ah, well, a small saving there, then.'' ''Hello? Hello, is there anyone there?'' And there was, fuzzy but recognisable, a face peering out of the omniscope. ''Captain Carrot!'' Ridcully roared. ''How did you get that damn thing to work?'' "'I just stopped sitting on it, sir.' "'Are you all right? "'We heard screams,' said Ponder. "'That was when we hit the ground, sir.' Uh, "'But then we heard screams again. "'That was probably when we hit the ground for the second time, sir.' "'And the third time?' "'Ground again, sir. "'You could say the landing was a bit tentative for a while there.' "'Lord Veterinary leaned forward. "'Where are you?' "'Here, sir. "'On the moon.' "'Mr. Stibbons was right. There is air here. It's a bit thin, but it's fine if your plans for the day include breathing.' "'Mr. Stibbons was right, was he?' said Ridcully, staring at Ponder. "'How did you work that out so exactly, Mr. Stibbons?' "'I, I, um—' Ponder felt the eyes of the wizards on him. "'I, um—' he stopped. "'It was a lucky guess, sir.' The wizards relaxed. They were extremely uneasy with cleverness, but lucky guessing was what being a wizard was all about. "'Well done, that man,' said Ridcully, nodding. "'Wipe your forehead, Mr. Stibbons. You've got away with it again.' "'I've taken the liberty of asking Rincewind to take a picture of me planting the flag of Ankh-Morpork and claiming the moon on behalf of all nations of the lordship, Carrots went on. "'Very patriotic,' said Lord Vetinari. "'I may even tell them. However—' I can't show you this on the omniscope because, shortly afterwards, something ate the flag. Things here aren't entirely what you'd expect, sir. They were definitely dragons, Rintwin could see that, but they resembled swamp dragons in the same way that greyhounds resemble those yappy little dogs with lots of zeds and x's in their name. They were all nose and sleek body, with longer arms and legs than the swamp variety, and they were so silvery that they looked like moonlight hammered into shape. And they flamed, but it was not from the end that Drinswind had hitherto associated with dragons. The strange thing was, as Leonard said, that once you stopped sniggering about the whole idea, it made a lot of sense. It was so stupid for a flying creature to have a weapon which stopped it dead in midair, for example.' Extract from the Notebooks of Leonard O'Quirm Some Observation upon Moondragons These creatures are distinguished by their small, ornamental wings, sleek body shape and regal, alert posture. The beard and thrips are luxuriant and swept back from the chin and head. The squails enlarged and prominent, possibly for steering. In young Moondragons, one notes the elevation of the queasels and early growth of the thrips. Some specimens were noticeably hammering when observed. The eggs of this dragon are curiously formed, having a distinctive pear-like shape. I speculate that this may help it to survive a long drop to the ground. Dragons of all sizes surrounded the kite, watching it with deer-like curiosity. Occasionally, one or two would leap into the air and roar away, but others would land to join the throng. They stared at the crew of the kite as if they were expecting them to do tricks or make an important announcement. There was greenery, too, except that it was silvery. Lunar vegetation covered most of the surface. The kite's third bounce and long slide had left a trail through it. The leaves were... "'Hold still, will you!' Rincewind's attention was drawn to his patient as the librarian struggled. "'The problem with bandaging an orangutan's head is knowing when to stop. "'It's your own fault,' he said." I told you, small steps, I said, not giant leaps. Carrot and Leonard bounced around the side of the kite. Hardly any damage at all, said the inventor as he drifted down. The whole thing took the shock remarkably well, and we're pointing slightly upwards. In this general lightness that should be quite sufficient to allow us to take off again, although there is one minor problem. A shoe with you— He waved away a small silver dragon that was sniffing at the kite, and it took off vertically on a needle of blue flame. "'We're out of food for our dragons,' said Rincewind. "'I've looked. The fuel bunker broke open when we landed for the first time.' "'But we can feed them some of the silver plants, can't we?' said Carrot. "'The ones here seem to do very well on them.' "'Aren't they magnificent creatures?' said Leonard, as a squadron of the creatures sailed overhead. They turned to watch the flight, then stared beyond it. There was possibly no limit to how often the view could amaze you. The moon was rising over the world, and Elephant's head filled half the sky. It was simply big, too big to describe. Wordlessly, all four voyagers climbed a small mound to get a clear view, and they stood in silence for some time. Dark eyes the size of oceans stared at them. Great crescents of ivory obscured the stars. There was no sound but the occasional click and swish as the iconograph imp painted picture after picture. Space wasn't big. It wasn't there. It was just nothing, and therefore, in Rinswin's view, nothing to get humble about. But the world was big, and the elephant was huge. Which one is it? said Leonard after a while. "'I don't know,' said Carrot. "'You know, I'm not sure I ever really believed it before. "'You know, about the turtle and the elephants and everything. "'Seeing it all like this makes me feel very, very scared,' suggested Rincewind. "'No. "'Upset? "'No. "'Easily intimidated? "'No. "'Beyond the rimfall, the continents of the world were coming into view under swirls of white cloud. "'You know, from up here, you can't see the boundaries between nations,' said Carrot, almost wistfully.' "'Is that a problem?' said Leonard. "'Possibly something could be done. "'Maybe huge, really huge buildings in lines along the frontiers,' said Rincewind. "'Or or very wide roads. "'You could paint them different colours to save confusion.' "'Should aerial travel become widespread,' said Leonard, "'it would be a useful idea to grow forests in the shape of the name of the country, "'or of other areas of note. "'I will bear this in mind.' "'I wasn't actually suggest—' Carrots began—' and then he stopped and just sighed. They went on watching, unable to tear themselves away from the view. Tiny sparkles in the sky showed where more flocks of dragons were sweeping between the world and the moon. "'We never get to see them back home,' said Rincewind. "'I suspect the swamp dragons are their descendants, poor little things,' said Leonard, adapted for heavy air. "'I wonder what else lives down here that we don't know about,' said Carrot." Well, there's always the invisible squid-like creature that sucks all the air out of... Rincewin began, but sarcasm did not carry very well out here. The universe diluted it. The huge, black, solemn eyes in the sky withered it. Besides, there was just too much. Too much of everything. He wasn't used to seeing this much universe all in one go. The blue disk of the world, unrolling slowly as the moon rose, looked outnumbered. "'It's too big,' said Rincewind. "'Yes. "'Whoo!' "'There was nothing to do but wait for full moonrise, or disc sink. "'Carrots carefully lifted a small dragon out of a coffee cup. "'The little ones get everywhere,' he said, "'just like kittens, but the adults keep their distance and stare at us.' "'Like cats, then,' said Rincewind. "'He lifted up his hat and untangled a small silvery dragon from his hair. "'I wonder if we ought to take a few back.' "'We'll be taking them all back if we're not careful.' "'They look a bit like Errol,' said Carrot. "'You know, the little dragon that was our watch mascot. "'He saved the city by working out how to, um, flame backwards. "'We all thought he was some new kind of dragon,' Carrot added. "'But now it looks as though he was a throwback. "'Is Leonard still out there?' "'They looked out at Leonard, "'who had taken half an hour off to do some painting. "'A small dragon had perched on his shoulder. "'He says he's never seen light like it.' "'said Rincewind. "'He says he must have a picture. "'He's doing very well, considering.' "'Considering what?' "'Considering that two of the tubes he was using "'contained tomato puree and cream cheese.' "'Did you tell him?' "'I didn't like to. "'He was so enthusiastic.' "'We'd better start feeding the dragons,' "'said Carrot, putting his cup down. "'All right. "'Can you unstick this frying pan from my head, please?' "'Half an hour later, "'the flicker of the omniscope screen "'illuminated Ponder's cabin.' we fed the dragons,' said Carrot. "'The plants here are odd. "'They seem to be made of a sort of glassy metal. "'Leonard has a rather impressive theory "'that they absorb sunlight during the day "'and then shine at night, thus creating moonlight. "'The dragons seem to find it very tasty. "'Anyway, we shall be leaving shortly. "'I am just collecting some rocks.' "'I'm sure they will come in useful,' said Lord Veterinari. "'Actually, sir, they will be very valuable,' whispered Ponder Stibbons. "'Really?' said the patrician. Oh, yes, they may well be completely different from rocks on the disc. And if they are exactly the same? Oh, that would be even more interesting, sir. Lord Vetinari looked at Ponder without speaking. He could deal with most types of mind, but the one apparently operating Ponder Stibbons was of a sort he had yet to find the handles on. It was best "'to nod and smile and give it the bits of machinery "'it seemed to think were so important, lest it run amok. "'Well done,' he said. "'Ah, yes, of course. "'And the rocks may contain valuable ores, or possibly even diamonds?' "'Ponder shrugged. "'I wouldn't know about that, sir, "'but they may tell us more about the history of the moon.' "'Vetinari's brow wrinkled. "'History?' he said. "'But no one lives—' "'I mean, yes, well done.' "'Tell me, do you have all the machinery you need?' "'The swamp dragons chewed at the moon leaves. "'They were metallic, with a glassy surface, "'and little blue and green sparks sizzled over the dragon's teeth "'when they bit into them. "'The voyagers piled them up high in front of the cages. "'Unfortunately, the only explorer who would have noticed "'that the moon dragons ate only the occasional leaf was Leonard, "'and he had been too busy painting.' Swamp dragons, on the other hand, were used to eating a lot of things in the energy-poor environment of their world. Stomachs used to transmuting the equivalent of stale cakes into usable flame took delivery of dielectric surfaces chock-full of almost pure energy. It was the food of the gods. It was only going to be a matter of time before one of them burped. The whole of the disc was... Well, there was the problem from Midswin's point of view. It was below them now... It looked below, even if it was really just over there. He couldn't get over the dreadful feeling that once the kite was airborne, it would simply drop down to those distant fleecy clouds. The librarian helped him winch in the wing on his side, as Leonard made to depart. "'Well, I mean, I know we've got wings and everything,' Ridswin said. "'It's just that I'm not at home and in an environment where every direction is down. Oof. "'I don't know what I'll say to him.' "'Don't blow the world up,' sounds a pretty persuasive argument to me. "'I'd listen to it. "'And I don't like the idea of going anywhere near the gods. "'We're like toys to them, you know. "'And they don't realise how easily the arms and legs come off,' he added to himself. "'Ook!' "'Pardon? "'Do you really say that?' "'Ook!' "'There is a monkey god?' "'Ook!' "'No, no, no, that's fine, fine. "'Not one of our local ones, is he?' "'Eek!' "'Oh, the counterweight continent. "'Well, they'll believe just about anything over—' "'He glanced out of the window and shuddered. "'Down there.' "'There was a thud as the ratchet clicked into place. "'Thank you, gentlemen,' said Leonard. "'Now, if you'll just take your seats, we—' "'The thump of an explosion rocked the kite and knocked Rincewind off his feet. "'How curious! "'One of the dragons appears to have fired a little early—' "'Behold!' said Cohen, striking a pose. "'The silver horde looked around.' ''What?'' said Evil Harry. ''Behold, the citadels of the gods,'' said Cohen, striking the pose again. ''Yeah, well, we can see it,'' said Caleb. ''Is there something wrong with your back?'' ''Write down that I spake behold,'' said Cohen to the minstrel. ''You don't have to write down any of this other stuff.'' ''You wouldn't mind saying spaking?'' ''Sorry, speaking, behold the temples of the gods, would you?'' said the minstrel. ''It's got a better rhythm.'' ''Ha!'' ''This takes me back,'' said Truckle. ''Remember, Amish, you and me signed on with Duke Leofric Legitimate when he invaded no thing, Fjord?'' ''I mind it.'' Five damn days that battle took,'' said Truckle. Cause the Duchess was doing a tapestry to commemorate it, right? We had to keep doing the fights over and over again. And then there was the devil to pay when she was changing needles. There's no place for the major on the field of battle, I've always said.'' ''Aye, I mind you making a rude sign to the ladies,'' Hamish cackled. ''I saw that old tapestry in the castle of Rosante years later, and I could tell it was you.'' ''Could we just get on with it?'' said Vena. ''You see, there's the problem,'' said Cohen. ''It's no good just doing it. You've got to remember your posterity.'' <laughs> <laughs> said Truckle. ''Laugh away,'' said Cohen. ''But what about all those heroes that aren't remembered in songs and sagas, eh? You tell me about them.'' ''Aye?'' "'What heroes that aren't remembered in songs and sagas?' "'Exactly.' "'What's the plan?' said Evil Harry, "'who had been watching the shimmering light over the City of the Gods.' "'Plan?' said Cohen. "'I fortune you "'We're going to sneak in, smash the igniter and run like hell.' "'Yeah, but how do you plan to do this?' said Evil Harry. "'He sighed when he saw their faces. "'You haven't got one, have you?' he said wearily. You were just going to rush in, weren't you? Heroes never have a plan. It's always left up to us dark lords to have the plans. This is the home of the gods, lads. You think they won't notice a bunch of humans wandering around? We are intending to have a magnificent death, said Cohen. Right, right, afterwards. Oh, dearie me. Look, I'd be thrown out of the secret society of evil madmen if I let you go at it, mob-handed. Evil Harry shook his head. "'There's hundreds of gods, right? Everyone knows that. "'A new god's turning up all the time, right? "'Well, doesn't a plan suggest itself?' "'Anyone?' "'Truckle raised a hand. "'We rush in?' he said. "'Yeah, we're all real heroes here, aren't we?' said Evil Harry. "'No, that wasn't exactly what I had in mind. "'Lads, it's lucky for you that you've got me.' End of CD3